Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. Uh, They say that Ephesus was an exceedingly wicked city, and I think they're right. About that, I think it maybe was the third largest city in Asia. And it was the city where they had the temple of the great goddess Diana. And uh, they, it's been said that, thank you, Brother Randy, uh, it's been said that uh, if anybody could get, no matter what kind of crime they had committed, if they could get within 200 yards of that temple, they could not be prosecuted. It was a city of refuge for perverts and murderers and rapists and, and people who'd committed incest and no telling what all to gather around that place. And, but in that wicked city, they had some saints. And this is who this is to. And some of these saints probably in this body of people had been converted from the awfulest sins in the world. And uh, he writes to them in chapter 1 and builds up and shows what Jesus has done. And in the latter part of it, he said, uh, uh, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for toward us for to us for who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, not only here on this uh, terrestrial ball, this earth, this globe, Uh, but in that which is to come, in heaven. The apostle talks about Jesus in in Philippians and said that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things beneath the earth. Amen. And it said in verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head. Gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then he jumps from that. Sometimes, you know, the Bible didn't used to be written in chapter and verses like it is now. They say in the first copies, in the, in the first copies of the copies, uh, it was not like this. Somebody, uh, I don't know how many years ago, 100 or 2 or 3 or whatever, divided it up, especially in the languages. We have some rules, you know, I don't know them all, 
would have some rules in the English language, and they split it up and put the chap- uh, uh, chapters and paragraphs, you might say, and periods and commas and things like that in the places that they felt like they ought to go. But I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think in some of these places there's not a period for long ways. They have them in hours, but there's not a period for long ways. And sometimes one chapter will stop, and then another chapter will take up. But in the original, uh, it didn't stop there. They put it there, which is not a sin. Uh, and you have to understand, we almost have to have. I'm not for some of the modern ones, but uh, God knew we had to have the King James Bible. He knew we had to have it. And so he let us have it. And there were some translations before it. But uh, uh, notice how that he goes on in chapter 2 and says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, see, he, he, he takes up, shows how the uh, power of Christ is to save, And then he lets us know, and you, talking to the Ephesians, but passing on to us, all the Bible is passed on to us for an example and instruction on how to live. The Bible has, as you've heard me say many times since you have known me, the Bible has two dominating themes in it, and one of them is is how to be saved, and the second one is how to live. And there's probably more in the Bible on how to live than there is how to be saved. And we have instruction, and if there's anything that the Bible makes clear, very clear, uh, extremely clear, it's how we ought to live. And how we ought to get saved, but how we ought to live. And he says, and you, talking about the Ephesians, passed down to us, and you hath he quickened. And don't confuse this word with doing something in a hurry. It doesn't have a thing to do with that. It means that you have he made alive or given spiritual life unto who were dead in sins. Uh, and in the second verse it says, Wherein in time past, which means wherein in the time past, in that state of deadness, You walked according to the course of this world. In that dead state, you walked according. See, we we think of death as being dead physically. No, there's more than one kind of death. And people who live in sin are dead to righteousness and classified as dead uh, in sin. Uh, and you, as the wicked who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, you walk, which means you lived, according to the course of this world. That's the way you lived before you got saved, before you got quickened. Uh, and you walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children disobedience. Sometimes you want to know, uh, we have a great uh, controversy and uh, discussion about what is the world. Well, it's that area and that society 
Uh, and that spirit and that attitude that's apart from God and opposed to God. That is what the world is. So if there's some question about something, is this worldly? Is it opposed to God? Is it apart from God? I mean, in principle, uh, and things like that, is it apart from God? That's one good way. They asked Uncle Bud Robinson, said, how are things going with you in the world? He said, I don't know. I don't know. Been out of it so long, I don't know how they're done. Amen. Well, I've been out of it quite a while myself, but they're not faring too good from what I see. The world's not doing very good. That's society. You see, when, uh, when Wesley began the Methodist Church, uh, you call it, they call it that, uh, they didn't call them churches. They called them societies. They formed societies. As a matter of fact, when, uh, when uh, Cartwright broke up the dance, they even started a church from that small group of people that got saved uh, at that place where they were supposed to have that dance. You probably heard of that. It's old hat to a lot of people. But he stopped at this place and he didn't know it that they were going to have a dance. And uh, uh, crowded gathered there and he went in, was in, in there, sitting over there, probably had eight something. And uh, uh, all of a sudden they announced he's going to have a dance. And uh, a lady walked over to him and he's probably a fairly handsome man in some ways, I guess. Six foot something, six and a half, whatever, maybe more. Giant, giant, strong as a bull. And uh, she walked over and done a little curtsy, bow, and asked, would you dance with me? And he got up and she took him by the hand, walked out on the floor, and he said, uh, folks, uh, I'd like to say something. And he said, uh, I never do anything without praying. And I'd like to pray before we'd go any further. And he prayed as loud as he could holler. And the power of God hit that place and people fell on the floor, tore the dance all to pieces. The lady went screaming, he wouldn't turn her loose. She's the one who took his hand first. He just held on to her. And she didn't know what the world doing, couldn't get loose, strong as a giant. And if people give in trouble in church, he'd go back and tell them to be quiet. But didn't he whip the daylights out of them? Said, there ain't nothing the matter with that. He's big enough to do it. Yeah. You remember when Cartwright came up on the ferry, overheard the man who run the ferry say there's a pre- preacher down here, Methodist, holding revival. And if I ever get him on this ferry, I'm going to drown him. And Cartwright rode up and heard that guy say that and tied his horse on there and got off and they got out in the middle of the river. He said, uh, stop the ferry. He's a big man, huge man. And the guy said, why you want me to stop the ferry for? He said, I said, stop the ferry. And he stopped him and he looked at him and he said, uh, have you ever prayed? And he said, no, I never have prayed and never will. He said, you're getting ready to. He said, uh, I heard you when I rode on that you was going to drown the preacher that uh, was holding that revival down the road. Well, I'm him. And uh, you're going to pray. He said, I ain't going to pray. He said, yeah, you're getting ready to. 
And he grabbed him by both shoulders and jerked him over the side and stuck his head out of the water, held him a little bit, and he come up and he said, Are you going to pray? He said, No. And he said, Down again. And pushed his head under and he gurgled and bubbled and come up and said, Are you going to pray? And he said, I'll never do it. So he put him down again, held him a little longer, and he raised him up and said, Are you going to pray? He said, Man will do anything. He said, Repeat after me. Made him pray the sinners for it really happened. If you didn't have, never have read it, you can read it in a book called Deeper Experiences of Famous Christians. Brother Collins probably has that. And and he uh, uh, repeated the sinner's prayer and he said, uh, will you let me up now? And he said, no, not till you promise me something. That you'll attend every revival, every revival, within five miles of this ferry. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And they said he made one of the best saints in that whole country. So people say, you can't scare the devil out of somebody. Well, you can wash him out. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, uh, Cartwright had that wonderful revival there and established a church. Well, they call them societies. Uh, now, there's a social system, cosmos, outside of the body of Christ that's called the wicked world. And he said, wherein in time past, you, ye, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also, verse 3 said, among whom also we all had our conversation, which means our life. Conversation never does mean like I'm talking tonight. Or you and I would talk that I know of. Nowhere is it used maybe one time, that's all. Among whom also we all had our conversation. In times past, in the lust of our flesh. Look at this. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, in verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. I said, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, which actually means by whose grace, his grace are you saved. Amen. Uh, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, verse 5, and hath raised us up together, verse 6, and made us sit together in heavenly places. I never have uh, quite grasped the meaning of that. What is the heavenly places? Well, of course there is a place in heaven where Christ is, and then on earth, there are places like tonight. I thank God for the crowd. And uh, a lot of the churches my wife has never been to, and she said, do they have a big church? I said, well, yeah, pretty good size. Uh, they run 200 or whatever in Sunday school, maybe more or less. I don't know about that, what it is now. But I said, they have a good crowd. Amen. But tonight, if there, I'm glad there are more than that, but if there was only two or three here, it said that he would be in their midst. 
Jesus blesses one soul who has church. He blesses two souls who have church probably even more. And if they've got three, he blesses that even more. I will be in their midst any time we come to church. If we have Christ in our life, then we have Jesus with us when we get here. One old black lady ages ago said, I know that the Lord is with us because I fetched him with me. Amen. I brought him with me. Thank God. Uh, so tonight I have Jesus and you have Jesus. And not only do we have him, but he probably looks on at times, no telling how many times, the Lord and heavenly beings and angels have looked on to the gathering of the saints of God and comes there to bless in a special way. And has raised us up together. Oh, hallelujah. He raises up the beggar from the dunghill and sits him among the princes. He takes the sinners on the outside and brings them on the inside. And when they gather together, there he is in their midst. So we have the power from him in heaven that is transferred here in us. And then sometimes his special presence, amen, is with us to bless. Thank God. So we are told that we sit I say we are told that we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why, 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 ten thousand times why would anybody fail to enjoy that? Why? And then he said that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Don't lay no claim on it. Don't make no boast about it. Because the next verse says, too, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before uh, ordained that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. Uh, I, I never cease, I, ne I, ne I, I do my best to never cease, to be amazed at what the Lord has done. They ask... Uh, Gypsy Smith's daddy, he was an old gypsy, and they got saved, and he said, I felt so light tonight I got converted that I feel like I could have walked around on a bunch of eggs had the room been completely full of them on the floor. I could have walked on them. I don't know if he could have did that, but he felt that light. You know, when you, when you get the load of sin off of you, you feel awful light. Really, you do. It's, it's some kind of a, a condemnatory burden on you that that just so heavy. I preach one time. You know, it talks about uh, uh, how that uh, sand is uh, sand is heavy and weighty, 
and in the Bible it speaks of, of, of burden down. And uh, and then uh, I, I one time I long years ago I preached on if 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 sin if if each sin weighed a ounce or a pound and I forget how I used it but I figured it up before and how that if if you let's just say sin weighed a pound and somebody did ten sins a day which is a uh, uh, underestimated of how, how many sins that people do besides just being in sin. They commit so many sins a day. And I can't remember all the details. Uh, lost my notes on that. Probably find them someday. But uh, I said that would be 10 pounds a day. Well, man, look what that would be in a year's time. And have to carry that around. And then a lifetime of sin, if it only weighed a pound or even an ounce, how many pounds anybody would be carrying around with them, amen, and then all of a sudden get saved and dump all that off. My, it's no wonder that people go wild sometimes. When they get saved, everybody does not act in precisely the same manner. But I've seen people, I'm telling you, they were really burdened down with sin. I have met and talked to and seen some of the former vile, vile people, I'm telling you, bad. And they got saved, and you've heard me mention how that William Booth and the people in the Salvation Army, which was started out as a, as a holiness, full gospel, powerful revival, and it's called the East London Mission. And how that they would go down and uh, into the awful district. And he said what they need to be shown is that somebody loves them. And I'm going to put it in the holiest message someday. I read somewhere, and I can't remember the precise words of it, but great God was it ever a story, how that this woman was so vile and wicked and had given her body away, and she was an alcoholic, and how they had her in prison. And this beautiful, beautiful, stunningly beautiful, holiness Christian lady went in that prison one day. And she seen this woman down in the floor. I don't mean lying flat in the floor, but down in the floor. And she, she threw her... Uh, love and her compassion and her beauty, she just knelt down, stooped down to talk to this fallen woman who, my God, was a pitiful case of uh, debauched and degraded and damned soul in this prison. And she reached down and spoke to her, and as she did, she kissed her right in the mouth, just barely touched her, but kissed her. And it said, this person who knew about it, said that it's just like she'd been touched by fire. And she leaped all the way straight up and said, Oh, do you mean that you love me enough and that Jesus has sent you to me uh, and that you love me enough to even kiss me? And she said, I know has Jesus sent you here to help me to be saved. And bless God, got saved right there. I'm telling you now, 
And William Booth said they need to see that somebody loves them. Hallelujah. And the epistle to the Ephesians shows the love of God. I have met people. I told you in years gone by. I don't want to repeat myself, but I told you about a man who was an ex-cannibal. And I met him. They had written him up as an ex-cannibal, although he had never just devoured human flesh. They make these stories sometimes go a little too far. But I went over to help my son on the highway whose fan belt had broken. And I took him the fan belt and, and was there talking to him while he was changing it. And the little car drove up and had a little bitty, short, dark-colored foreign fella in it. And I looked at him, and as soon as I looked at him, it rung a bell with me. Uh, and I said, it seemed like I've heard of this fellow. And he got out, and he said, could you, uh, could you show me where the assembly of God, and he talks his foreign accent, is in this town up here, Red Fork, or whatever town it was. And I said, I believe I can show you how to find it. And just a little bit here, and soon my boy gets through uh, here, and I'll talk to you. And he got out. When he got out, uh, I could see that it was that guy that had came to America that they had written up as a cannibal. And I kind of gave me the holy queeps to hug him, but I did and shook hands with him. He was shorter than I am, and I'm just 5'8", and he was way shorter than me, probably 5'4", dark black hair, and smile on his face as broad as a, I'm telling you, the sight of the world, now he's a child of God. I'm going to tell you now, it's something. And I said about the Salvation Army people that William Booth, uh, when he died, the Queen of England sat in the congregation of people that attended William Booth's funeral. And she was an ex-whore, a prostitute. And she leaned over and said to the Queen of England, he cared for the likes of us and got them people saved. I'm here to tell you, and you had to quicken who were dead in trespasses and sin. Don't let nobody tell you that the Lord cannot save anybody. If they want to get saved, bless God, He is able to save even to the uttermost. And it says right here, even when we were dead in sins, the fifth, fourth verse said, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. Oh, hallelujah! I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and hour lifted me, now safe am I, love lifted me. I'll tell you, it was love that lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Hallelujah. And there was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sin yet unforgiven. 
My name was at the top and many things below. But I went unto the keeper and settled long time ago. Hallelujah. Long ago. Long ago. Yes, the old account was settled a long time ago. And my records clearly for he washed my sins away. I want to tell you now, that old account was settled a long time ago. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the one that blotted it out. Amen. Gave me a brand new start and put me on the highway of holiness. Don't you like it? I like it. And Gypsy Smith's daddy said, they said, how in the world do you, uh, how, how, how are you able, how, how do you maintain every time we see you, you've got the victory. How in the world can you do that? And he said, I have never lost the wonder. Amen. I think we ought to go through life, Brother L.L. Glory to God. And never lose the wonder. Amen. You hear me? I want you to hear me now. We ought to never lose the wonder. We ought to be shocked all the time that we even know Jesus. To think, my God, of the millions and billions of people uh, that have went to hell and here we are tonight saved and on our way to heaven I tell you it ought to make us marvel I read one time in an old book and I hope they found it when they straightened my study up since I've been gone the title of it is The Bare Land and they estimated that uh, in the world up till 1865 that there had been 720 billion people in the world and there's around over 5 billion people in the world now and I thought well it wouldn't be too far out to say there's probably been 800 billion people in the world since Adam and Eve and just to think my God if 1% of all that 800 billion people uh, were saved and went to heaven that would be 8 billion people in heaven now and if 10% of them got saved out of 800 billion 80 billion people would be in heaven now uh, but think of that other group of course we don't know but think of that other group, all those billions and hundreds of billions of people that went to hell. And think of 800 billion people in this world have lived and gone by the course of history and 5 billion here now. And out of 800 billion people, Jesus found me, hunted me up, knocked on the door, said, can I come in? Amen, I'll tell you, glory to God, it ought to make us marvel. Great Lord, L.L. Collins, raised down in Missouri, poor as I was, and Lord God, that is poor. Amen. 
Maybe even worse if such a thing could be. But let me tell you something. God found L.L. Collins down among the rocks and sticks of Missouri. Ignorant, my God, pitiful, came from a home of sin. And the Lord saved him. I've heard him tell it. How it looked like he wasn't going to get saved. But he told the devil, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to make you the sorriest servant you've ever had. And the devil said, you're going to hell. He said, if I do, I'll go playing the guitar and singing and going to the house of God. And God saved L.L. Collins. Passed his first church at 17 years old, I think they told me. I met him when he was relatively young, very young. But I want to tell you something. God, out of 800 billion people, saved L.L. Collins and gave him his precious wife, not a better woman alive. Out of 800 billion people, man, don't that shock the daylights out of you to think that you got saved out of 800 billion people. Like a speck on the ocean of humanity. My God, but God in his infinite mercy. Amen. Sought you out. Amen. I read about a fellow's daughter, Scottish, I think. Thrilled me. Oh, it thrilled me. She left home. And when in sin, he heard she was in some town. And he knew a song that she liked. And he went up and down that town singing that song. Finally, she came out of one of them buildings and run to her daddy and went back home with him. Hallelujah. And Paul said, I think it was Paul, when he was in Rome, it looked like he didn't have no friends nowhere. And he said, Onesiphorus sought me out. Amen and found me. My God, and may the Lord reward him. He came to where I was at and found me and was not ashamed of my chain. When my chains rattled, people didn't want nothing to do with me, but honest Cephas found me, brought me something to eat, blessed God and in the darkness of the night. Amen. Jesus found old Ralph Cox. Amen. Sought him out in the oil fields of West Texas and said of the evangelist, my God, a former Baptist preacher, got the Holy Ghost and came out west and began to preach the gospel. And I got saved. And my wife got saved. Been saved ever since I got so saved. Amen. Bless God in 1949 that I'm still saved saved. Amen. And he did it. Man, don't you think that I ought to marvel? I said, don't you think that I ought to marvel? My old school buddies went to hell. Leland B. Moore, an Indian I used to run around with a boy and played with him. He's in hell. Got so drunk he thought he could swim the Arkansas River. And went down and drowned and went to hell. Bobby Coker, another Indian boy, drank some poison whiskey and died and went to hell. And I went to the Marine Corps and come home. 
And I said, where's Jimmy Love, a handsome boy, nice looking boy, said he hit a tree up on South Lewis while being drunk and died. So he went to hell. But God said, I'll keep my hand on old R.C. I'll watch over him. I'll save him. I'll run him down. And the hound of heaven got on the trail. Amen. And treat me. And held me at me. My God, I just gave my heart to him. Don't you think I ought to marvel? Hallelujah. That I'm saved tonight. I never cease to marvel at the glory and the power of the grace of God. My little woman back there raised in that same city where Mueller, the great man of God who in his lifetime was given seven million dollars to build orphanages and places for children who didn't have no parents and widows housed and never sent out no letters like Earl Roberts and the rest of them and housed two thousand widows and orphans my wife raised out of town there a little bit didn't know nothing about God. Parents wasn't saved. Came to America. Husband unsaved. Had her little baby in her arms. Just like my first wife did. And went to church and they told her how to get saved. Don't tell me God's not looking over people. I come in 12 times one time, I counted them up, and like they got killed, in a hair's breadth of getting killed. And God said, no, no, no. I used to be in the fire department, in the military, and one night we had a call, and old Henniger was driving, stout. Cold, cold, one of them cold winters in California. Well, let nobody tell you it can't get cold in California. It did do it and does do it. Plenty cold, not like here. No, 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 but cold. And we took off in that big old K-10, I think it's the K-10, and a big water tank on the back, double duels, and went around the corner fast. Throwed me out, I grabbed the door in there and get a hold of and just barely holding on for dear life. And old Hanniger, stout man, stout, leaned over and held that steering wheel with one hand and grabbed me by my fireman's jacket and pulled me back in that thing. If I'd have went out of there and them double duels rolled over me, I'd have never knew what hit me. Lord God, but I never, and would you believe I'm still here today, 67 last Friday, and still a kick. Amen. Because Jesus said, we will keep him around. Preaching to you tonight because, amen, because he said, we will keep him around. Amen. No wonder. I tell you, we ought to, we ought to, we ought to sit up and look at things once in a while and say, hey, I could have went to hell. I don't have no stones to throw at anybody and the devilish sins they've done. And Paul even goes on, on there and says, Among whom also we all had our conversation. He was a religious hypocrite. I don't care how serious he took it. He is a religious hypocrite and got saved. 
and persecuted the church of God and hated the saints and killed them. But Jesus said, I'm going to use him and make an example out of him that people can see my, for a pattern of long suffering what I will put up with from people in order to save them and use them. Man, I like it. I'll tell you I like it. I believe in it. Praise God. Benjamin Carlton, missionaries, came to them, preached to them. He is such a savage heathen. He butchered his own wife and cut her up in pieces and cooked her and ate her. His own wife. You say, man, man, talk about yuck and gory stuff. He did it. And got saved. Joe Gott, an old Indian from our country back in there years ago, they told him about it. I didn't get to meet him. They'd catch a wagon load of Indian savages in the Indian territory. And they'd catch a wagon load of man and his family, kill them all, take the babies and throw them in there and catch them on knives when they come down. And somebody came and told Joe Gott about Jesus. And it hit him. And he got saved. He said, when I, that guy told me, he said, I threw that little boy in there. And he laughed and I killed him as he come down. It done something to me. And he made a saint. Ought to have been killed. Ought to have been executed. He made a saint. And no telling how many people the Apostle Paul killed. No telling. He didn't number them. And didn't tell us that never lived a better man than Stephen. He stood there with glee and delight while they beat his brains out. And he got saved. And you say, well, I didn't do that. Yeah, but you, you could have went to hell. You'd be in hell with Al Capone. Yeah, you'd be in hell with the popes that have all died. You'd be in hell with the rapists that raped the nuns where Maria Monk was at. Yes, sir. You'd be in hell with the worst gangsters and dope addicts and people that committed incest and alcoholics and everything else and the meanest women and the meanest men ever walked the face of this earth and Hitler and Mussolini and the Genghis Khan and Judas Iscariot and all the rest went to hell and you'd be in hell riding the frames with them had not Jesus saved you. Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. I'll tell you, man, this is the best deal I've ever seen in my life. Just think. Just think you get the cleanest food. You get to be around the cleanest people. You get to go in houses where they don't smoke, where they don't curse. You sleep in a clean bed. I'm going to tell you, man, you eat the best food. You hear the best conversation. Hear the best singing in the world. I'm going to tell you right now, don't let nobody joke you about it. Don't let it become commonplace to you and over familiarity and breed contempt in your little heart. My God, be thankful. Hallelujah. And all of this and heaven at the end. Woo! What a deal. I know Brother Back there, he's going goes over to Romania and places I don't have no desire to go nowhere. 
You say, don't you? Yeah, I care. I've sent. There ain't no telling how many hundreds of stuff I've sent to the mission field. And no telling how many hundreds of dollars, thousands, maybe. I don't even know and ain't worried about it. But I don't have a bit of this article. They've been asking me to come to Romania. Brother Gary Hamp wanted me to go. And they want me to come to Mexico. I went to Mexico once and got sick, sick all the way, all the way out. But to go there, somebody has never heard and tell them and them say, I believe I'll accept that and do it and be saved. While all around them, Catholic superstition and candles burning by the road and going up the hill to kiss the place of Guadalupe, the Virgin, the Blessed Virgin inside that glass closed-in place and lip marks all over it. Smooching glass, great God from heaven, and here we are, hallelujah, living like people. And all of this in heaven, too, and Brother Back go over and they got that religious freedom. I don't much trust that, but I'm glad they got it for a while. Man, they feel like a, not only a bird out of a cage, but a starving bird out of a cage. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, that'd be something. And just think, all of this, and heaven too. Yeah. Here you are at night. Why, man, we've got the best clothes we ever had in our lives. Yeah. And you got a nice wife and a nice husband. And the children in the winter, it gets so cold, you can hardly stand it. And you can go in the house and be warm and sit down to a good bowl of hot soup. Man, shut your mouth, don't you gripe no more. Have you lost your mind? And all of this in heaven too. And no condemnation. Other people die screaming, hollering. I don't want to die. A young woman in California said, I'm too young to die, but she died. And then, God bless you. I'm going to close. From here to heaven. From here to heaven. The best of both worlds. Do you understand me, please? The best of both worlds, and all because we got saved. Amen. Ten thousand amens. Praise God. And notice a little more, please. I've studied on this for quite a while. Wherefore, remember, in verse 11, I want you to recall now, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ. Not only, not only were you sinners, you were aliens. These are Gentile, wicked Gentile people. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, Having no hope and without God in this world, but now in Christ Jesus, you sometimes, amen, far off and made nigh 
Amen by the blood of Christ. Now let me tell you something. And I'll stop on that. But not only not saved, but didn't even have the rights and didn't know nothing about God. Uh, the Jews had bad enough shape, but you didn't even know anything about God. But now he has broke the middle wall of partition down and away and let you come in and made you the saved Jew and the saved Gentile on the same plane. You couldn't even come into the temple. But now you're just as good and on an equal basis and footing with them even though they knew about God and you didn't know anything. Now you're just as saved as they are. 